Hey guys, and welcome back to Rerun Replay, the show where we turn back the clock and rewatch television and movies from our 80s and 90s childhoods to see how they hold up in 2020. I'm your host, Max, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, CM. Hello, CM. How are you? Bueno. Yeah? Um, has quarantine got you down yet or still staying strong? I'm tired of you asking about quarantine. <laughs> it's legitimately the only thing going on. I so. know. Uh, it's, it is what it is at this point. I don't care anymore. I just want people to be responsible. That's fair. And you don't want me to go into a rant, so I'm going to leave it at that. This is true. Just to sum it all up, guys, take care of your neighbors. They're the only neighbors you got until you move and then you forget about them. Mm. Um, well, we've been staying busy. Uh, this week, we went back in time or forward in time. I'm back to the future. We went back to the future. Not but to, we didn't not watch to review that. Back to the Future. Um, I will say this. I think that this is probably a show that you've been looking forward to covering. I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen readily, like within a week or a day or anything. Well, we've been... I actually did even consider it. I didn't think we would talk about it. We have been... We have mentioned this show more than any other on this podcast so far. I mentioned it... Well... We mentioned it for Gargoyles. We mentioned it for something else. I don't know. It's probably voiceover work, though. It's all voiceover yeah, yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we, this week, went back and rewatched the pilot uh, of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> this? Even though there's not really any of this. That's I can okay. do it. No, no, no. Okay. It's mine's better than yours. I mean, not in the first episode. Oh, I'm doing but, the Spock I mean, sign yeah. for the uh, for the. I mean, they didn't do it in the first crowd. episode, but they're not going to like blow their load on the first episode. Well, they made sure to show a few. Um, what are they, Vulcans? Yeah, Vulcans. Yeah, they yeah. made sure to show like at least like, one Vulcan. Yeah, it's just everywhere. one at some point in the background. Yeah. Um. So, it seems like a stupid question to ask, but did you watch this show growing up? Well, Star Trek The Next Generation started in 1987. The first episode was in September, and I was all of three you years were old. at least 33 years old by that point, I think. I might I might be a year off, but I think you were like... 33? Yeah, 33, 34. You're 72 now, right? So you watched the show when it first premiered at yeah, three years at three old? Yeah, three years old. No, I, how I got to it was my mother is a huge Trekkie. I don't know if she always was a Trekkie. Like not, she's not Trekkie in the sense of she'll go to um, like the cons and things like that, the conventions, because she's not into big crowds like that. Um, kind of like me. I'm not really, yeah. Anyways, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> what? I'm not into like crowded areas. I don't feel safe. Yeah. Right? Watch out for those crowded areas, guys. You know, maybe that's why I don't have corona. Oof. <laughs> Jesus. I stay away from that. Yeah, you should. Um, <laughs> Be antisocial like me. Uh -huh. um, but no, so, um, I mean, she was into all sorts of, like, sci-fi stuff. So I saw X-Files through her, which scared the crap out of me, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff, like Babylon 5. Like, I could go on about sci-fi shows with her. But Star Trek Next Generation is one that I connected to very quickly because it was one that, in many ways, was very theatrical. Mm. Um, the way of presentation was very much... Uh, there are a lot of, like, talking monologues here and there. There are statements being made. There are... Um, a lot of things, commentary on like um, the social structure, the the world, where it could be, where it, where it came from, which is what I always loved about the show. Well, and that's... each of the characters, I think, have very uh, they all contribute pretty evenly to the whole 
to the whole mission of the show. But that's kind of something reminiscent of the original Star Trek show, from how, what I know, uh, what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I mean, the whole idea is that the the social structures have been broken down. Money doesn't really matter anymore. The 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 idea of money isn't what defines people. Um, the world is one nation, like a literal United Nations is the entire world, which is like a lovely thing to think about. And the fact that um, Gene Roddenberry even thought about these ideas is kind of insane. I mean, going back to like the original Star Trek, yeah. the idea that we could all like come to peace with one another to the point where we could all travel into space together as one. I mean, something pretty epic would have to happen in this world, in this day and age for us to actually come together because so many people are so selfish. Maybe like a pandemic. Maybe this will be the thing. That's the sad part. Not even something as small as a pandemic that we're all sharing in common is bringing us together. And in fact, in the United States, everyone is doing whatever the hell they want. Yeah, Anyways. things are I'm not going off on a rant. I'm not doing well, it. I'm not doing note, it. Anyways, um, just... I love Star Trek oh, yeah. because it even to you know what the best thing about it is, is that so I just rewatched it for a second time. I think last year it was probably last year. Um, and so watching yesterday, we started from episode one, um, one, which is an encounter at Farpoint. It's the first time they encounter Q, who's this like omnipotent being kind of like, um, a puck of sorts, um, a very Shakespearean in that sense. He kind of causes trouble, but he also allows you to question yourself. And it's what makes the crew question themselves and between what's right and what's wrong, what's acceptable, what's not and science and all that stuff. But anyways, um, the, it, the subject matter for being the first episode that aired in 1987 is so relevant to today. 87? It That's was 1987. Oh. I mean, the fact that they were born. talking about issues like that saying, I don't want to get into the episode quite yet, but Q brings up a point And the reason why the whole episode is, is based off of the behaviors of people. And it is so, I think, relevant to today, which I, I was sitting there going, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I do want to so say... did you ever... Well, before okay, that, just because we are assuming that anyone watching or listening knows Star Trek already. I hope so. I mean, in all honesty, it's probably... There are still people in this world who don't know the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Oof. So just a quick synopsis. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, set almost 100 years after Captain Kirk's five-year mission, a new generation of Starfleet officers set off in the USS Enterprise D on their own mission to go where no one has gone before. Um, so the original Star Trek series, the one from the 60s, I think so, um, yeah. was Captain Kirk. This is the one with John Luke Picard, who is played by Patrick Stewart. I mean, if you don't know that. I mean, I mean, Star Trek Next Generation in many ways went much further than the original Star Trek. The original Star Trek was only, what, two, three seasons? Something like that. I'm not looking at it right now. So it's it's nothing compared to this, which is like eight seasons long. Mm. I mean, this show ran for a while. Yeah. And in many ways, lifted the Star Trek brand or ethos or universe of Star Trek even to the next level, I think. And brought a lot of new fans in yeah. because of the characters they added in the the from the different lifestyles and planets and aliens and all that. Yeah. Um, to answer your question. Did you um, ever see this? So <laughs> for me... Uh, my dad was a huge Star Trek fan. He grew up on the original show, um, and he continued watching this series as well. Um, because of it, it was definitely in you know my world of knowledge. I wouldn't say that like I watched it religiously. I think I just watched it every so often. That was kind of <clears> like me. Yeah, I mean, like, like in passing. Like yeah. my mom had it on, so I'd see an episode to the point of like I am 
familiar or let's say even before you know like the the new movies the jj abrams movies came out um i was familiar with you know some of like the aliens and those races um i was familiar with like specific characters on this show um but you know because they I, were pop culture yeah like i figures had uh, in a way. like i remember yeah. my dad got us action figures of like uh, one brother got John Luke Picard. One yeah. brother got Worf. Mm-hmm. I got Jordy LaForge, which I was totally happy with. He had the cool eye thing. Um, those figures, the visor, yeah, the yeah, the his visor, which uh, apparently causes him pain, which I had no idea about. This was a scene in the pilot, like his. They they were very clever to. Oh, it's add... because he's getting used to it. Oh, yeah. So it's oh, a it's new, new. It's a new cortical implant, and that's why the doctor was checking on him. Well, and it was also their way of introducing this new idea to the Star Trek universe of like a blind person being able to see. Yeah, I will say, um, and we'll get more into it as we go into the characters, but they actually um, had a really, like the writing was was very well done because the exposition to introduce every character was done in a really kind of naturalistic way where the cool thing about the show is... Um, the captain is still getting used to his new ship. He's not, he hasn't been on the ship for a while. And I wouldn't say in watching this for the billionth time, I don't think in the beginning for me, as if I, I was trying to watch it as a first time watcher again, but trying to see it from a fresh point of view, I, I would have, I can understand where some fans, when it first came out, they were a little apprehensive about Patrick Stewart's John Luke because he was not very friendly. Well, no. And that's, <laughs> he was very on edge and like, and in many ways it's funny because I've watched a lot of behind the scenes things and it turns out that's how he was as an actor, like on yeah. the set in the beginning, he took Star Trek very seriously. And so anytime the actors would joke around on the set, he would get super upset about um, them being unprofessional. Well, he's you know? the only Brit on the show. And the funny thing is mm. at least in this. Oh, Oh, you, you have... mean, Oh, I thought you meant like the person you're talking about the character. Uh, the I thought you yeah. were talking about the actors. Well, I mean, kind of. Am I? I know. Well, um, Marianne uh, Certes. Certes. Yeah, Marina Certes is Deanna Troy. Yeah, she's, she, um, what's she, it called? she's somewhere from the UK. But the yeah. thing is, like, and the funny thing is, uh, she's not Shakespearean. Like we, Patrick Stewart is yeah, like British. We, the funny thing is, like, all of these people in a weird way, like watching the show right now, um, especially because we saw most of this cast at Comic-Con at one point and kind of like seeing their real personalities, Patrick Stewart included nowadays, especially Very interesting. in a weird way it affects the show. Right. So like, uh, when I see her, I mean, the character is kind of ridiculous. We'll get into it. Um, but like, I know her, I've seen some interviews with, with her and she's like very, um, She's kind of like she's brassy. gritty. Yeah, she's like a brass woman. And so like she almost doesn't strike me as like British when she her characters compared or like right next to Jean-Luc Picard. She would almost be more stereotypically like Cockney like like what kind an American's of, yeah. idea of what her personality is like that brassiness is almost like a stereotype in like Oliver like it would be like a Nancy character where she's yeah. very like in your face and like says it as it is black yeah. or white you and know we should like get organized and get into the characters I will say this much though I love her that woman is so grateful to her fans yeah. I have never ever in my life seen someone who has no problem just like just taking full control of this panel that they were on just to address the fans that really gave the, all of these people their careers. Um, so 
that's awesome. I was uh, uh, very enthused to kind of see like who the person is. Because he went to that panel for me. Let's be this clear. This is true. I think we. I was yeah. like, we waited a while. Yeah. I was like, I got to get in this panel. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, we get introduced to this cast as they're all kind of like starting off their journey to explore. Now, Correct. the enterprises are always their purpose is always to like explore the universe, like go beyond what is known. Is that correct? Uh, yes, and and more or more so because there are certain aircrafts that are built for battle, spacecrafts or spacecrafts. Yeah, what did I say? Aircrafts. Aircrafts. Sorry, there's spacecrafts. no air in space. <laughs> uh, spaceships. Uh, there are certain ones that like are obviously made for battle. Um, or even though this one is capable of, it's like it's an exploratory ship, but it's it is the capable newest of, of its defense. kind. It's the idea is yeah that it's this new of its kind, which is why in the first episode they first introduced the idea of like the saucer being separated from the main area to what they do. So in any big epic thing of Star Trek, which I didn't remember that they introduced it in the first episode, which is why you get like a version of the Star Trek theme, the next generation theme, when it's happening, the separation of the saucer from the rest of the aircraft. That is because at that point in a battle or that point in a climax of an episode, for whatever reason, it's gotten to the point where the danger is so high that in order to protect the people in the aircraft, because it is um, a family aircraft in ways, it's exploratory. So weird. Well, because it's meant for exploring. So that means that scientists and doctors have come with their families onto this um, spacecraft. Oh, okay. So what happens is sense. when they go into a huge battle that they're not expecting and for the safety of the families and the children, they, they have them all go to the a separate part of the aircraft, which is the lower part, and they separate. Or the top part. I can't remember what. Um, but yeah, they the separate saucer, them. The saucer had all of like the... The battle bridge. The, or the, the family. The family, sorry. And then the bottom was... Has the battle bridge. Yeah, like the torpedoes and the phasers and yeah. the pew pew it's called the pew 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 thank you so pretty much good. um so uh but its the, main purpose is to explore yeah its main purpose okay. is to explore they're going out there they're on a diplomatic mission to find other um alien races kind of like the united nations they were diplomats of uh, a space nation or uh trying to spatian <laughs> spatian trying to bring more races together because together you're stronger in numbers and what's not better than having peace. This is true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is a little weird. They, they were kind of like, you know, hardballing their negotiations to be like, join us. We are peaceful. If not, we will leave you to die. What? That at one point happens. Well, that happens in this episode because Picard starts to catch on to well, them. He is, a, he is a jerk. Well, they're being manipulated by Q is what's happening. Yeah, but we're not I there guess. yet. Okay, we're not fine, there. Not You're there. jumping really okay. far ahead. All so right, the whole fine. point of this, so let me just give you a little, this is what IMDb says. I don't quite agree with it, but it's a description of what the episode is. The episode that we watched was like an hour and a half long because it was actually two parts when it was televised originally. So uh, we watched both parts one and two of Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, their description that they have on IMDb is that they're on a maiden um, mission of the USS Enterprise. Um, and an omnipotent being known as Q challenges the crew to discover the secret of a mysterious base in an advanced and civilized fashion. So right that off the bat... doesn't really say much about what the episode really is. Well, so it's... it's uh, and again, yeah. I say this is someone who is like not super, Complete, super yeah. like familiar with, star, not intimately familiar with Star like, Trek. Is that I'll a say. good description for you for what you saw? Kind of. I mean, yeah, more or less. It doesn't go with into the subtleties. We're talking about a tiny little blurb. Like there are a lot of 
far point is things. this yeah well there are a lot of deeper things in this episode that really have nothing to do with space the show it's kind of like but the walking the dead yeah it's like, but it's like the walking dead the walking dead <clears throat> is not really about the zombies it's about the people who are left in this world right um for this one i was very surprised at certain characters being introduced right off the bat i knew of q kind of basically i assumed he would have come in like randomly much later in the show i forget that he was introduced that early too had no idea i mean you're talking about like a godlike character you know who can like warp reality as he would this is the pilot episode you know like he's introduced and then also um wesley uh, Dr. Crusher's son, I assumed would have come in later in the series to be like, we need a kid. So kids are someone to relate to. Well, no, he came in well, with his mom. I'm just saying. Well, like, they also brought him in. I think this is an assumption on my part, but they, even before, just before they show Wesley Crusher and his mom, Beverly, on far points on this space station with Riker, because Riker, the first officer, hasn't come to the aircraft yet or to the spacecraft. I keep saying aircraft to the spacecraft um picard says that he is not good with children like it's an it's like a thing that they say yeah so i think wesley's character is because it's to challenge picard it gives him a challenge to grow somehow fair i mean he that's the thing i think like they really tried person, to humanize him well, and they i think they tried to kind of flesh out all of these characters right off the bat versus maybe like what the stereotypes of the original characters for their original series were like from, you know, again, I, I could kind of be just like shooting in the dark, but when I remember, you know, anything with Kirk, like he is a bit brazen, but he's still, he's kind of like, he's the hero and he's the leader. And then mm -hmm. Spock is the logical one, you know, like all of these characters were introduced in right off the bat uh, to in the pilot episode are um, in a lot of ways flawed which I kind of like. And that's actually what the first episode goes into. Well, they even say, so like the whole challenging idea of like, why is the captain choosing to go on the mission himself? Yeah. Like well, onto a planet or onto a spacecraft when he is supposed to stay behind on this ship. By the way, everything is like a naval reference. We haven't even addressed like all of the main characters. So, okay. Let's so, do this. Yeah. You say, just to make sure we get all of them, say the characters. I will give my impression, like kind of my description off the pilot episode and then we'll go on and you just give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Whether you got it right? Yeah, like pretty who much. they are, what pretty, they do? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so let's start with the easy one. Jean-Luc Picard. Okay, Jean-Luc Picard is a Brit who is a captain of this ship. He's not good with kids. His crew is slightly uncomfortable around him. He needs better uh, uh, interpersonal uh, communication. True, which they work on later. Cool, awesome. Uh, you can give it a thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, sorry. Oh, he's giving it a thumbs pretty up. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty <laughs> good. There's also a thumbs say up thumbs there. up for the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thumbs up. Uh -huh. Um, William Riker. All right, he's kind of, in certain ways, the hotshot, like more personally the hotshot, but he is passionate about what he believes in. He's the new first officer on this ship. He also has a uh, uh, a previous uh, relationship uh -huh. with. Um, uh, Deanna Troy, uh -huh. and he and uh, the captain, they have opposing views on who should be the first one sacrificed in um, the most dangerous situations. Well, he thinks the first officer should always kind of be the person to go into battle versus the captain is more important. Which I like that they, um, thumbs up, it's pretty good, <laughs> pretty good. Um, it, the whole thing, and I love that they introduced in the first episode, is because uh, Riker as a first officer is going to challenge Picard on 
any of his decisions, yeah. which happens throughout the series for good and bad. They both um, have a leg up every once in a while. Like it kind of switches like the, the leadership of the show, like definitely Picard is the main, I mean, he's the captain and everyone knows that, but I think uh, Riker is like the Spock for this series. Riker's the uh, opposite of the Spock. He's more or, emotional. No, no, I'm just saying like the relationship that they'll have. Yeah. I'm I just think, saying that they kind of, in a weird way, reversed like the, the core uh, character aspects of these, of these, of them. So like a little Picard's bit, more logical and more like internal and Riker's more external. True. So you're saying they took Kirk and split them into two. Well, they, no, they took Kirk and Spock and reversed oh, them. Oh, reversed them. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. This would be an interesting debate with like other people that are like, I'm like, yeah. I consider myself a Trekkie, but I'm not an encyclopedia of knowledge by any means. By the way, there are like 30 characters. So, okay. So I'll the be, next one. All right. Too. So, um, uh, data data is an Android. He is, um, just the most logical person, but he almost, um, um, he wants to, his goal is to be human, uh, to learn so much about humanity that he ends up kind of a human himself. Pretty good. Yeah. Cool. yeah Next. Good. Uh, he has a great through line throughout the series. Um, uh, oh, here's a good one. Tasha Yar. Oh, my God. Cool. Okay. So uh, this character is probably the one I'm the least familiar with because I know that she doesn't last past, I think, like the first season. Correct. Okay, cool. Tasha Yar is the um, security uh, officer, and she is just like, all she wants to do is fight people. She's just like, oh, it's a threat. Kill them. That's it. She and even like Picard at one point, she's uh, she's like, we have to we have to uh, uh, battle this God character, and Picard just looks at her and goes, He's "You like, think we should fight God?" And then she's like, "Um, never mind. I didn't really think it through." That, okay. come on. <laughs> okay, so thumbs up. That's pretty good. No, that's so. Here's really the thing: good. you have to consider her background, and you start to learn her background. They get into it a little bit in this first episode, but it kind of flies by as equally as quickly and loudly as she presents it. And that's part of the problem with connecting with her character in the first episode is that when she starts to talk about where she came from and why she appreciates the humans and earth, the United world nations, why she appreciates them and wants Q to understand them is because she felt like what her civilization she came from was like the, the antithesis of what, the world nations were trying to get away from, which was selfishness and uh, people fighting over uh, monetary goods and things like that. And she came from a vi very violent society. Well, think of it as like a human world because her her look is very human. Yeah, she looks Tasha human Yar to looks me. human, but it's like the worst of human activity. Oh, like dangerous and like yeah, she just comes an from awful Las Vegas. place. <laughs> no, the worst of. Humanity. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe a nation of Las Vegas, but Las Vegas at like it's worth worst and like most dangerous with like mafias and stuff las vegas in 2020 2020 vegas in space um, so yeah tashiar is that um i like her character i growing up just a real quick thing so thumbs up on that but um the reason why i really liked her character and i was upset a lot of people were upset when she left was because of all the female characters on the series at that time when it first started she was the most brazen strong one you had Beverly Crusher, who was an intellect and very strong in her own way and stood up to Picard, which was a great relationship between the two of them. But then you had Deanna Troy, who was kind of a little soft, let's be honest, um, was meant to be the sex kitten of the show, but her character becomes much more as the series progresses. But she was the only one in the beginning that was like 
in your face. Like for a female character, she was like all over that. For me growing up, seeing her with that short pixie cut, it reminded me of my mother because my mother was in the military. And to me, I'm like, yeah, it's a military woman. I mean, I even watching it now, I was like, that's my mom. Okay. Well, you know. So we, Tasha Yar, we shout We both out. had two different Also, Tasha Yar showed up in Walking Dead. Oh, this is true. All right, who's the next one? Next one, Deanna Troy. Okay, Deanna Troy is the most useless character on the show. And I say that saying, like, I'm hopefully to... hopefully she, um, you know, the character goes somewhere. And I love the actress for the person that, that I have learned her to be. With that said, this character is l- legitimately only there just for... Like, her one contribution is for Picard to be like, hey, how, how are things feeling? And then she's like, oh, I, there's a sadness. There's a sadness. There's a sadness. She legitimately just says the same line three times in two different scenes. She's an empath. Um, so they're introducing who, that in the first episode, and though, I think. But they didn't need to nail it over the head so many times. They also can't quite nail down if she can communicate um, telepathically or not because her dad um, one of her parents is like some kind of alien that can well, read she's minds half human. her mother is the is yeah the, one of her parents is an alien that can the, read minds the and alien, the, other, the other parent is a Starfleet officer the alien is Betazoid I just had to get that out there Okay, cool. Because I'm sure there are Trekkies going, Betazoid. It's a Betazoid. Okay, whatever. She's half Betazoid, and she's 100% useless. Like, truly and utterly. Who, again, Betazoids look human-like. Oh, they all look human-like. And that was, this was actually my issue, actually, I remember growing up with Star Trek. It's like, why does everything look human? Why is everything a... Uh, they have, like, fingers. I mean, okay, so the whole thing, at least from my understanding and from all the background stuff I've read and seen, the reason why, especially starting way back with the original Star Trek that they had human aspect, um, human noid like features was, it was a better way for them, the audience to accept them, especially back in the day when you're presenting a TV show with aliens for the first time. It was probably cheaper. And too. the idea before that was that a lot of aliens are scary and that they're coming to invade. And this was the first time in um, introducing aliens as a possibility, a friend. I don't know. Uh, so I think in many ways it helped humanize them a little bit. I think there's just an, uh, an assumption i have a funny feeling it was just budget sure like uh next question your next character deanna troy was okay uh beverly crusher oh, okay there and are a lot of characters i don't know if we're the, gonna be able to go through all of them uh i don't think we're there we're, are quite a few we'll do uh, all the other ones we'll just do speed round okay um beverly crusher uh, uh, med- uh medical officer on the ship um uh she's kind of the no-nonsense mom she's the mom of i'll just uh, pile him in yeah uh <clears throat> i was gonna say will wheaton who plays um what's his name wesley crusher wesley crusher who is the son who knows way too much about the ship who honestly it seems like has been studying the ship to blow it up oh he's a nerd um yeah like uh and then um her husband ex-husband died he was a crew member with John Luke. John Luke ended up bringing the body back. Mm-hmm. So they have kind of a previous relationship, which I thought, thought was really interesting. I also think that John Luke and her fucked. I they, that is what they were referencing. I mean, that's what they're go- they're getting at. And throughout the series, it becomes a a, a cat and mouse thing. Like there's I, definitely tension throughout. I am questioning after just watching the pilot if Wesley is his son. That's honestly what it seemed like. And if That's not, never gonna happen, if but not, I, I think I it's a missed where, opportunity. I see where you would get that because yeah. the way she, she introduces him. So Wesley 
really wants to get on the bridge to see the bridge for the first time because he's a big nerd. There's a new air, air spacecraft. And so she says, okay, we'll see what we can do. So what ends up happening is she shows up to the bridge. The uh, turbo lift or the elevator opens and Wesley's standing behind her. And she says hi to Jean-Luc. There's that moment of like, oh, you're on the ship. You're on the ship, which is kind of like, Jean, didn't you see the manifest of who's coming on your her spacecraft? Don't you know she's coming? Yeah, he seems <laughs> like super not knowledgeable. Of Maybe he's like out of, of his, out of his depth, kind I of. Know. I don't know. It was but weird. It's a big ship, I guess. It, I like the surprise, but it was like, real, realistically, he would have known that she's coming. He also probably would have had to have approved her. That's to true. To be on the yeah. ship in the first true, place. True. Okay, so this is going to be, uh, I guess, speed round. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, Jordy LaForge. He's like kind of the pilot, navigator. Um, he can't see, but he he's blind since birth, but has the thing that now can make him see, which he tries to like fancy it up, but it's like, okay, cool. You can see now. Great. <laughs> okay. God Thumbs bless. up, I guess. Uh, Worf. Uh, well, they don't really say much about Worf. He's obviously an alien. He's obviously like, like just wants to fight as well but like not as much as the white lady um and like yeah i mean they don't really say much about wharf okay o'brien just off off the pilot that's pretty good thumbs up o'brien o'brien wait is that the other pilot okay cool i i have a weird knowledge of him uh the actor's cole meany Oh, look at you. I know that much because I actually think he's a stage actor. Most of them um, are stage actors. Fair. Uh, he is just there to be the other pilot. Like literally when Jordy LaForge can't be in two places at once, like the ships separate or the saucer, the whatever separate, uh, he's the other pilot. That's about it. He didn't really say much. Well, he to be fair, in the first episode, I don't think they knew he was going to be a character quite yet. Because he they had some lines. He's, but they're all off camera. No, because no, I not. was watching for it. He does not say much on camera. Not he doesn't say much, but he does say stuff on camera when they come back from like Q's like trial realm. Oh, that little he's snippet like, of he, he's yeah. like, yeah, we've we've been in, traveling at the same direction, blah 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 blah. Bizarre. He's the only one on the bridge who's not invited to Q's that like, was special a realm. Little weird. Yeah, and so he's just like, hey guys, you know, we're still doing this. Yeah, it's like, they should have just had Tasha help pilot with Data, and that would have been it. Yeah, Instead honestly, of bringing him along and then not using him. I think they should have just killed off Tasha, but that's my Like right away? It. Yeah, why not? No, Tasha goes out in a, like a blaze of glory. Oh, spoiler um, So uh, speaking of characters, we have the character Q, which is introduced in the first episode. Um, this is why I said earlier in the podcast slash video, however you're watching, that I felt like the description that IMDb gave for this episode wasn't quite accurate because Farscape and the alien planet or the space station, whatever you'd like to call it, um, is really a vehicle to get to the answer of what Q wants. So when Q pops up in the beginning of the episode as they're making their way to this space station to pick up William Riker, uh, Q challenges them to prove to him that the human race, that the world that we live in is not as destructive and ugly as he knows it they, to be. Yeah, and, and basically like he stops them from moving and is like, you yeah, can't he go stops any further because yeah. humans are the worst. And you haven't changed. He doesn't want them to enter his space, essentially. His his space. Which is, like, funny because Qs are everywhere. They're, I mean, they def- definitely have, like, a space, like, a particular home, per se, that's in the ethers in a weird way. Kind of like heaven. Um, but, I mean, everything is their space. He can pop up anywhere he wants. He's space god. Yeah, space he's god. Space god, essentially. But he challenges them to say, well, he wants to put them to trial and say, you're not entering, and if you choose to enter, 
I'll, you'll, I'll put you to death. Like this is, we don't want you here. And Picard challenges to him to say that you can't blame us for the sins of our fathers, essentially. And what was our past? Please judge us on what is now. And so the whole episode, he says, well, on your way to far, Q says to them, well, on the way to far point, you may find um, that you are challenged. And if you can succeed through this challenge to express how the human race or the world nations or earth has grown as a race, um, that you are good and that you're not as ugly as he knows them to be, then perhaps um, he'll let you through. I really like that. It's, again, it's a beautiful like, message. Well, and I just, yeah. It's not, and this is the funny thing about Star Trek. And again, like not having watched much of it, the question is like, when you think of Star Trek or Star Wars, well, Star Wars from, is different. The, the funny thing is like Star Wars it's a space opera. It might rattle some feathers, but like yeah, I would say, is more for children, right? The Star Wars movies have always—they're family films. Well, they're yeah. family films. We made them something different now, but when they first came out, like even when they were making it, they didn't know what it was. They didn't know whether it was going to be taken as a space opera comedy or if it was going to be taken seriously. And what made it really was the John Williams music. Um, to be, I most there okay i would say there could be a debate yeah I don't but know. i would say if you're watching star wars without the john williams music it's a completely different movie okay you could be watching I, mom and dad save the universe for you all you care could be, you could say that for any film whatsoever well, gee, that's why i love soundtrack the soundtrack plays an important part but star star wars is still star wars even without the soundtrack well now no always i'm saying forever. to think of it as if you saw it for the first time like the first star wars a New Hope, before it was called A New Hope, like just the one film. I think it was always called A New Hope. No, it wasn't. It wasn't? No. Does it say that in my glass? No, it doesn't. It just, <laughs> says, it just says Star Wars C3PO. Star Wars in general. Anyways, but we're not watching. We're not talking okay, about Star fair. Wars. Stop bringing um, it up. That's okay. Okay, fine. With that said, Star Trek is a bit deeper. It's a bit more like there are definitely um, subtleties in it that like a kid could watch it and just be like, wow, space. But it's really not a show about space. I think I said that before. Yeah. And like this episode really illustrates that what you're getting into. If you're just watching it for just like, oh, humans fight aliens. You're not getting that. You're going to be bored of your mind. It is a bigger question in this episode, especially right off the bat of being like, what is humanity? How have we bettered ourselves? What are our inherent issues? Um, and you kind of meet this, you meet this crew that is a representation of Earth with this idea that we do want to better ourselves. It, it is very, it is very utopian, not just in the way that you were describing before of like, you know, the nations have come together and, you know, we're all working for the greater good. It's not just that. It's not just like saying it, but it's also using this group of characters to really embody that way of thinking. You and know, it, yeah, it plays through the whole thing. You're yeah. absolutely correct. And in many ways, the way that they judge each, each other as a person is not so much of who are um who you are, like where you come from, but as uh, more so what you do and what you put forth. So it's the work that you're putting into your life and, and the life of others. And I, I always love that. And in many ways, it's probably why growing up, I love shows like X-Men, things where like you take an oddball group of people, they come together and no one's being judged for who they are, where they come from, but it's a matter of what they do. Um, well, the X-Men were never judged for what they did. They were just judged because they were dirty true. nudies. I, the point is people that were different. Sorry. Um, and... What? Bad example. I know. It was probably a bad example. <laughs> Wolverine's um, crying. <laughs> nah, he's um, got paid enough. So uh, they get this challenge from Q. From um, Q. And they, uh, they have to go to, like, like again, Q is a godlike character. So he, like, 
uh, takes a few of them when they're about to battle to like a weird trial world, which I guess is it's it's interesting. Like it is from a period in our timeline in the future mm-hmm. um, where I guess it's after some like atomic. Uh, atomic incident like a and, war apocalyptic war happened yeah and like the human race i mean we're all like drug addicts and the court system is just a, a bastardization and, of what it should be it looks like a um, um, mad max ish yeah exactly it's very mad max looking it's very like influenced by just a ton of different cultures but no siri i don't know if they heard that okay <laughs> okay Okay, so if you heard that, the Siri thing went off? I think they did. It was pretty loud. It's so funny. I turn off my phone, but then she just wants to turn herself on. You should take it out of the room. I should. I I thought it was... Whatever. Okay, fine. Anyway. Someone um, takes us seriously. I just wanted to point out that this trial scene, we see Q in all his glory, and there is kind of a... um, Like a... uh, Somebody who's like reading the charges, kind of like narrating oh. the trial and it is um the guy who played shang sung in uh mortal Kombat, um uh, carrie fukunagua i think his name Karen. is um which is just so funny because this guy's been working forever i love the fact that he showed up on the show um he also is he on, goes by another name now uh what is what is he goes at uh, carrie hiroyuki tagawa oh i honestly i might i may have just gotten his name wrong um, oh, he's so much older. Well, yeah, he uh, was just on Lost in Space. Now I recognize him. Yeah, he was just on another space show, Lost in Space. He plays like one of the scientists. I don't know if he was in the second season. He was in the first. I don't uh, remember. Shout probably. out to the show Lost in Space. I really enjoyed that reboot. Um, Heck I yeah. think you did as well. I did. Um, Parker go watch Posey. It. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so we go through the trial. Uh, Picard convinces Q to kind of let them prove themselves. Q is like, okay. Um, that exact line, uh, said exactly like that. Um, no. <laughs> and, uh, then they get to Farpoint, which mm-hmm. is a space station. They are kind of adjudicating to see if they want to welcome them in to the Federation, which in itself is a little weird. It's like, why do they need to audition for you? Well, it's, it's so, uh, you're going to a new nation and you're, you're deciding if their cultural views and what they do fits the view and the, um, the direction that you're heading in together. You don't want to invite a society in that you later find out has enslaved children into it. Sure. Which sometimes they run into that and sometimes they're the saviors of those people. It, you know, throughout the series, they run into all sorts of different kinds of civilizations. Sure. You I know, just, so they're there to do yeah. that. But at the same time, this particular station is presenting the idea that they could provide state-of-the-art space stations like this one that they are on currently. I guess my issue is more with how Picard went into those like uh, uh, interviews very much like strong arming it and kind of like just I mean which interviews Picard, like when he's interviewing the guy who runs this space station Farpoint oh you know he's an asshole um I mean it's the character he legitimately tells you he tells Riker which is telling you like hi I'm an asshole you need to make sure that I'm not as much of an asshole yeah Riker this is a legitimate conversation they have so they get to the space station and Riker comes on is immediately summoned to the aircraft because they just dealt with Q and so he needs to be caught up so Q uh Riker comes <laughs> on to the to the bridge to then, the to their their main area if anyone doesn't know what a bridge is like you know wherever you pilot <laughs> right does that make sense the bridge the bridge I don't know um the the big cockpit, no cockpit. That's not no. It's a very big cockpit. It's where they pilot. Yes, 
Or like if you were, um, I don't know, military well, grade um, aircraft, you'd be shooting from it. The Same way idea. they describe the space shuttle is more along the lines of a boat versus a plane. So it is the bridge because it's like, well, yeah, it's nautical terms. Everything, even like lieutenant, commander, all that stuff, everything's a naval term. Yeah. Cad- uh, or, uh, cadaver. Cad- cadaver. Uh, Starfleet cadet, things yeah. like that. Everything is naval, which is cool. Um, so anyways, so Riker so is summoned. And as soon as he gets on the bridge, Picard's reaction to him is to say, welcome. Look at this uh, oh, summary God. video. They, and so he goes to a television screen, which is not a flat screen, they, but it's the idea of a flat uh, screen I think television. Tasha Yar sits him down in front of a TV and they show like the best of the the first half though. of the episode, along with like their, you know, the the angles, the camera angles. Yeah, that they just they use show. The same. And it's just like, guys, if we're gonna do this, like we don't have to see it. We know what he's watching already. Yeah. Like they could have cut away do- and like come back to him later. This? It was Okay, yeah. yeah I, but then, so then he's summoned, or he goes to see Picard in his ready room, which they haven't, I don't think they say ready room quite yet in this. Um, or no, are they still in the battle well, bridge? Well, that's because Picard stays ready. And I think they're in the battle ready, bridge, so maybe it's his battle ready room. You get ready. Um, so Riker walks in. <laughs> Riker walks in, and immediately Picard is like testing him every five seconds with everything. They're like challenging each other on like their points of view of leadership. And then Picard's like, well, um, you can go connect the saucer now. And do it manually. They never explain that. So, like, so the, I, it's supposed to be a high test. So the idea it, is like you're but, taking two pieces of aircrafts and aircraft, and you're connecting them together. And he's t- saying you can do it automatically, which is the easy way to do it. But I'm telling you because I'm your boss, I want to see you do it manually. Okay, here's which is a little bit of an asshole move. No, too. no, no. It's a sadistic move. It has no no uh, uh, thought about human life in it. It's so a pissing contest. The, well, kind of. It okay. So Picard wants Riker to. You know, this, this, the saucer has disconnected from the, the battle, the pew pew part. There'll be a picture here. Right? Okay, cool. <laughs> um, uh, and he wants, like, the computer is more than capable of making this an automated procedure. But Picard is like, nope, do it manually. And here's the thing. There are human lives at stake. We see, they make it a point to show everyone on the bridge's face when Riker is there, like, having this like monitoring this entire situation and he says, like for picard, everyone to brace their stations picard like, is ready. not on the bridge mind you he's just in his fucking ready room playing the flute or something probably drinking like, wine no he's probably playing the flute or drinking tea he's playing the flute that's that meme him playing the flute isn't it i don't think Whatever. he has a flute yet um and it's just so dumb and again like the writing for most of this episode is really good even though i was falling asleep towards the end of it uh this one moment, I was waiting for like some reasoning, like actual reasoning that didn't just throw human really lives long. into the wind. So long, it just made no sense. It, it showed a comp- It just made no sense. It's like you don't have, don't play with human lives like this. You're proving Q totally right. Like you should have been there right away, being like, "That was the test. You failed." Pew 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 pew. Everyone's dead. Like that's it. So dumb. Um, anyway, they connect. Riker does a great job and he connects. The of ships. course he does. Like, I don't know, whatever. Um, so <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like, we can just fast forward really. Fast because forward, because like, the whole thing is that the, what answers the question or resolves the whole issue with Q and the issue with Farscape, whether or not they're going to join the, their federation of United planets. I think I got that right. Something like that. 
um, is that they find out that the space station is actually an alien itself that is being abused, that was captured at some point by this guy, I guess a scientist of sorts. And he says he was helping the alien, but in a turn ends up imprisoning the alien to create the space station because they can manipulate the the form of their body. Well, they, it, it, but he also creates like, and again, kind of like, changes reality in certain mm-hmm. ways like we, um like the holodeck room we which is the first uh time they show the holodeck too well yeah but like these are physical things that people can leave with and like satiate themselves with here's my issue oh, with I this. See what you're we are introduced to two different species whatever the hell q is and you know this this creature that the space station is made out of that can basically rearrange reality as they want a little too much for the pilot episode like he was already asking a lot this is now another godlike character but the idea is is that (laughs) i don't know it is a lot i'm not gonna lie it's it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot but i think the point of it is for them to uh recognize the difference um of need i guess i don't know i can't quite describe this really well i think but um, so the mother or brother or sister of this alien thing on the planet comes and at first it presents itself as an enemy. The mate. It's the mate of. Hmm? It's the or mate. Or the mate. Yeah. Okay. It's, no, it's so 100% maybe the mate. It is? One's okay. pink and one is blue. Okay. One's a boy, one's a girl. Okay. So the mate shows up and it start, uh, the mate starts firing on the planet. And at this point, it looks like um, an alien space sa- or a spaceship, it's like a typical saucer. Um, and so they don't even know that it's an alien quite yet until Deanna Troy, which is why they keep alluding to her um, feeling feelings and things like that, but not seeing where it was coming from, figures out that it's coming from this spacecraft, so it must be human in some way. Sadness. And when they go on to the, to the spacecraft, they find out that it's living. Um, and so when they come back from it, um, Q tries to take credit for them coming back to the aircraft, or to, I keep saying aircraft, back to the Enterprise. Um, he says that he saved, saved them basically and to blow up the aliens. So in a way he's cheating because he sees they're going to win. And instead of Picard blowing up the spaceship, he um, listens to his people, Riker and Diana and I think... Not Tasha, Tasha Allah. Tasha, shut up. No, yeah. I'm kidding. because <laughs> no, she just wants to kill everything. Kill it. Um, so he listens to them first and finds out that, oh, wait, this is a living thing. Um, so they, the living thing must have a reason to be firing on a very specific area of this planet, the space station, and keeps firing. You know, so there's a reason for it. Oh, it's firing in the old, uh, the old town on this planet. There's like the space station, and then connected to Correct. it is so like it's the not, old village yeah. where all the inhabitants live. Yeah, better described. So the idea is that it's attacking the planet, but not the space station. So they go, "Why is that?" And they and they deduce that. Is that a good word? Deduce? Is they that correct? Deduced. They deduce. There's, there's more um, yes, detecting in this show than there is in Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's I'm true. So they, they deduce that the the space station is actually an alien of sorts, or there's a connection between the two of them. So they, which I've never seen them do this again, but like a very strong transporter se- sequence occurs where they transport this entire alien from the planet, which I'm talking... Like, it's as if they transported the entire Enterprise from one spot to another, which I've never seen before. Not without a Warpole. Um, no, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they, like, give him energy. They give this or alien is that what creature they're doing energy, with the and then all of a sudden it transforms back into itself. Okay, so maybe I misread that. Sense. And maybe I misread it. It was a little unclear what was going on, to be honest. Yeah, no, it was. Um, 
like oh we just need magic to happen okay magic do, they're godlike characters do. fun yeah um all this to say they end up proving to Q that they can deduce things themselves that without violence without selfish thinking things like that and they end up winning and Q's like well you may see me again and then disappears no Q Q is like hey you did great and Picard's response is get off of my ship yeah he's and like, like alright well I might be back which he and is he, a like, lot he just leaves um, yeah. and Q ends the... up becoming a huge figure in Star Trek universe yeah I mean that's the end of the episode um, so oh, and you... then they, they start their journey, and yeah. like Picard's like, oh, I hope that our other missions are more interesting than this one. Yuck, 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 yuck. I've got a sense of humor. I love Patrick Stewart. Does great work with uh, with uh, dogs and uh, pit bulls especially. Engage. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was That's your question? That's pretty good. Um, no, I was just going to ask, what did you think? Because I know for me, let me just get this out of the way, when I rewatched the first episode, I kind of was like, and I even turned to him and said, I now kind of want to watch it a third time. The series, um, it's uh, I I think too because every time I watch it I get something different and I notice different things and I hear and see different things. Um, I definitely you mentioned earlier that um, a lot of the science stuff is a lot for the kids like action wise and then all the intellectual stuff that's actually going on in the dialogue and stuff is more for adults. So definitely as a kid I remember this this uh, episodes that are a little heady which there are episodes that are super heady um and go into like deep issues as a kid did not care for them i was always ready for the saucer to separate from the rest of the aircraft and i knew shit was getting real i was ready for the ready for the red alerts you know anything that had to do with battles explosions or the enterprise nearly crashing or anytime they had to evacuate the aircraft so like any any of the movies all of the movies yeah, all the big all the big enterprise stuff. is always yeah. crashing um love it uh, but now as an adult, I like to rewatch it because I'm catching all these themes and things throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think? I think as a first time watcher slash yeah. sort of I mean, familiar. I will say like first intentional watcher. Um, I did like the show. Um, it kind of, in a weird way, uh, I, I went through Doctor Who uh, up until like the Capaldi seasons, um, which I uh, had nothing. I have no knowledge. Well, the thing is, like, I have no idea. I could see this show kind of scratching the same kind of itch. Like, there's a reason why. Like, if you're watching all of those seasons, at least from like the Doctor Who reboot uh, from Eccleston to Capaldi, haven't seen the new one. Um, you know, I don't know. I just haven't seen the new one. Don't get on my case. Um, you are kind of there's an interest in that world which like goes into you know all the made up space mumbo jumbo stuff not just like i'm an astronaut and we're flying this is you know rocket engines yada 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 like more of a um a space show that gets into deeper things oddly enough would i watch the more of this yeah, actually, I think I would. Um, not with you, um, but I think this would be a show that I, I would. Too many sound. Oh, I hit the mic. Sorry. I I make too many sound effects. Like I'm that person that has seen a movie and is excited for the other person to watch it, so they're sitting there and almost like preempting every move where they're going. Oh. Ooh, I uh. honestly, I could see this show being on while doing something else. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I love Patrick Stewart. Um. You'll grow to love Deanna Troy. I mean, does, like, she do anything else? So here's the thing. She becomes sort of a damsel in distress. She gets tossed around a lot. She's Sigourney Weaver but then in... They, uh, in um, in many ways, called? what they kind of use her as is, like, 
Galaxy to Quest. bring forth all the okay, yeah Galaxy Quest. Um, they kind of use her to um, confront a lot of female issues or um, issues, I guess. Yeah, that's ironic because like, according to her, uh, she had like the worst experience on set with like you need to lose weight. Well, it's because they were costume. trying to make her a sex kitten, yeah. and she wanted to make Deanna Troy something more than just just a sex kitten. And in the end, I think they did a good job of bridging both. Um, she, I mean, they talk about so many things with her character in the end, like uh, uh, arranged marriages, uh, not being able to marry the man that you love, um, a forced um, uh, pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and through that pregnancy, actually dealing with, um, what's it called when the, the hostage gets the, falls in love with the... Oh my god! What's it called? Like that sort of thing happens to her too. Oh my god! What's it called? It's okay. Continue. I'll probably. You know what we're it. saying? Yeah. Like it, the hostage falls in love with the the, yeah, yeah. the keeper or the the kidnapper. The keeper. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of episodes where like they go through the gamut of female issues and Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. There you go. So she goes through things like that. Like there are a lot of things they explore yeah. through Deanna Troy. Um, so in many ways she gets kicked around, but for good reason, so that we learn from her. Um. I she does get her, she gets her moments where she's like strong and stuff and more so as it gets further through. From the pilot, like if she was the main character of this show, I would not want, remotely well, want to continue this who show. Who would? But, you know, like it's, it's a, it's an interesting group. I'd be more interested to see anything about Worf because they really just skim over Worf. Um, oh, in the first episode. Data, yeah. Data is interesting. You said he has a good character arc. I'd be really interested to see more of his stuff. Um, and I would like to see Riker get into his chair the way yeah. that he does Data's all the time. Pinocchio and Warp. No, no reaction. Sorry. What did you say? You know, Riker always like gets oh, the into cowboy. His chair. Yeah. Riker's the cowboy. Yeah. All right. God, I'm giving you a lot of stuff. Man. You are. Like, so no, but like for Warp, oh God, we're going way over. This is really long. Yeah. So like you have Data, he's the Pinocchio who wants to be human. You have Warp who is struggling just like Deanna. Well, Deanna Troy's not really struggling with this, but Warp struggles between being a Klingon and being human. And so that's why in the first episode there are certain oh, moments half where and half? he's half and half as well. Mm. Um, and so either half and half or it's that no, I'm wrong, not half and half. He was clean on but adopted by human parents. Oh. That's what it was. So he was raised as a human, but he's also clean on. Um, so that's an interesting thing. So you have the idea of adoption and being raised um, in a household that is not your own. Like, like a story. A story. I'm guessing. I would be so surprised if they didn't what? go into it. Like for Worf, uh, does he have any episodes where it's like? Just kind of like with this, uh, the um, uh, someone who is African American who may have been raised by like white parents mm -hmm. who all of a sudden it's like you're not black enough. And in this, they go into that, yeah, they that do. kind of thing. Cool. Well, in cool. the in the series, uh, well, the actor Michael um, Dorn, Dorn, thank you, Michael Dorn plays Worf. He's an African American black male, um, and I'm not sure what people prefer. Um, and he, um, and I think throughout the series they begin to more more so have more black actors play the, the Klingons, I feel like, anyways. At least they have that gravitas to them. Um, but his parents are white people. And so in a way, it mirrors what the issue is, like right in front of your face. That's cool. Um, and so it's beautiful. And then once they kind of get through all that, they, he deals with how to raise a child, with how aggressive and how, how does a, a man who has like war things on his mind all the time raise a son and this would be interesting stuff to see and again kind of show. as like a parallel for our world um yeah i i would be interested in seeing more of the show again not with you just by myself um anyway that's it unless you had anything else uh not really yeah. um yeah i i really love star trek next generation i always will 
There's a reason why IMD has rated it so high, why it is something that people constantly watch and rewatch and go to the um, the Comic-Cons or uh, the conventions. Yeah. Um, even you know, it you... really connects to people. I, you There's enough characters that you're going to find one character you connect with, yeah. to be quite honest. I'll say this much. If you grew up on the show, um, maybe revisit it. You'll probably sure. uh, enjoy it more. Also, you know... Uh, give some praise to the actors uh i wouldn't typically say this um but they seem to be so unbelievably enthused so like genuinely enthused by um not like their fans but to hear them say like the people that really like um uh contributed to you know making us able to do what we love to do you know to to support us like you supported us and like to just kind of like connect in that way like yeah, show them some love. They seem like a good group of people. The show is always well. I mean, it's probably the most connected to a fan base or audience that I've ever seen. I mean, looking at back behind the scenes stuff, like you find out that there are people that were fans of the show that would write in. And some of them were like celebrity like people or um, very wealthy people. Like I think there was like a Persian prince or something. Um, and they invited them to be on the set and to be in the background. Well, that's you know things like that. Oh, like okay. at so one if point, they had money, then they could be on I guess. the show. Also, the, nepotism. Um, I think she's the first uh, Ben Platt. <laughs> I think she's the first um, NASA female NASA astronaut that was African American or black. Oh yeah, she she's in a couple of episodes. She plays like the teleport uh, teleporter person operator operator teleporter operator. I don't know. I don't Hello, know what they call teleport it. Operator. Um, but yeah, there are like all these little cameos, and yeah. as you watch the show and over and over and you watch the behind the scenes things it makes it even more interesting to watch because then you're like oh that you know yeah um we didn't mention that bones is in the first oh episode. yeah that's um, kind of obviously rude. at the very end of the first half of this pilot um uh data is walking with bones as a very obvious like passing plug. of the it's torch a plug, yeah well no it's nice i'm glad that they did it it's a it's very much like shoved in there it doesn't oh, make yeah. any sense especially with everything else that's going on but it's a nice little way to be like we're passing the torch. Keep in mind, this is the first um, or this is the direct follow up to the original series. So you needed something like that. And I'm sure right. Kirk wasn't coming down to do it. He yeah. was waiting for that movie money with uh, Generations. Yeah, they yeah. should have just um, Generations. They should have just waited for Generations. Oh, Come yeah. to think of it, mm. they aged Bones astronomically in this. Well, and he was Bones is in gener- something. Yeah. And in Generations, isn't, is Bones in it? He's not that old in it. He looks no, just his age. But Generations, the beginning of Generations, takes place before this show. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. Because Kirk is still like a decent age and he's just a, you know, well, they're all humans. I don't but know. Like, I have to look at it again. I haven't watched the actual film films in a long yes. time. Yes. Cool. So we talked too long and then our uh, camera shut off. Um, so anyway, uh, guys, thank you so much as always for tuning in and listening or watching. Uh, if you want to follow along, this is where you talk. Oh. <laughs> so you like, subscribe, fill out the comments below on YouTube. Um, send us a nice little note on podcasts, wherever you listen. Let us know how you feel. If you agree with things, disagree with things, or things you'd like us to check out, we're more than happy to check out things. Sometimes we're sitting there and there's so many options nowadays on the streaming that it's hard to choose. Um, so yeah, let us know. Um, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen so you can always know when we are on here rerunning and replaying, y'all. Till next time. Live good. long and oh, oh yeah. come on. Live, Live long and prosper. Do 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 do.